Hmm, well, well, welcome back. It's the Chaos Ball Podcast. It's the season previews. We roll on. We roll on to this week. Uh, potentially two next week, but we'll see. It's a little fluid. There will be one absolutely on on Friday next week. Don't know what division I'm quite doing yet, but that doesn't matter for today. Today, it's the AL West. It's the American League West division, home of the World Series champion. Texas Rangers, and I guess the 2022 World Series champion, the Houston Astros, will the World Series champion in 2024 be from the American League West? Well, as a Mariners fan, I can only hope so. And the first team I'm going to talk about in this division likely won't win the World Series this year. It's the Oakland A's, and I will just kick it off immediately by talking about the Oakland A's because I don't I don't have a whole lot to say about the Oakland A's other than I apologize if you're a fan of the Oakland A's about what John Fisher is doing to your beloved baseball team. Uh, oh, and oh, and just be- right before I get into it, uh, no Mariners preview in this episode i think i mentioned that uh they're gonna have their own preview it's gonna be the last one it's gonna be about a week before opening day and that's gonna probably be an hour and a half length episode like this but just talking strictly about the seattle mariners because after all this is a predominantly mariners podcast the mariners podcast on the internet if you didn't know but let's kick it off with the oakland a's now the a's Spoiler alert, they weren't good last year. Will they be good this year? Likely not. Are they really trying to be good? Well, you know, from the top of the organization where it matters most, no, they're not trying to be good. But I still think there are people in the organization who are attempting to win games. It is their job to put a winning team on on the field with the little resources that they, they have. Uh, and honestly, I mean, this team, I'm looking at it, I think it's better than last year's team, and the projections agree. They went 50-112 and 112 in 2023. Ooh, ooh, so bad. Their Pythagorean was 49-113. and 113. That is bad. The, the really tough part, and why it's very different from past A's teams, is their farm ranking, according to Keith Law, is 30th. It is last, and they did graduate some prospects from their list last year, but even with those guys, it still wouldn't be a very highly rated group, and that is pretty embarrassing and really speaks to how stripped down this organization has become because you'd think with the amount of draft picks that this team has had, high draft picks the past decade, you think they'd have some better prospects, even in just the past five, six years when they've been quite bad. No, but no, there's just a very, there's just a, a glaring lack of top end prospects here. Um, but they have a couple interesting players that I'll talk about. Um, but the projections are saying they're still going to be a bad team. However, not terrible. I mean, Pakota has them going 64 and 98, which is really bad. Better than 50 wins, though. Fangraphs has them winning 71 games, which is six less than they have uh, the Angels winning, which I think is 
kind of fascinating. Two and a half percent playoff odds to Pakota zero. So Fangraphs likes must like the young players on this team a little bit more than Pakota. I would assume that's the reason. I don't really see another. I don't really know why there'd be such a big difference. That's a seven win difference, which they could both be wrong and they could win in the fifties again. Who knows? But just top down, what's their lineup looking like? From one through nine, Ryan Noda at first base, Zach Geloff at second base, Brent Rooker at DH, Seth Brown at right field, Shea Langoliers at catcher, J.J. Bladet in left field, Estuary Ruiz in center field, Abraham Toro at third base, and Nick Allen at shortstop. Now, just real quick, if you don't know who a lot of those guys are, I do not blame you. In the slightest, uh, a lot of them are not amazing MLB players, and a lot of them just debuted last year. So of the interesting guys, honestly, the top three in the order is 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 interesting enough to me. Ryan Noda, uh, I think, came over from the Dodgers, if I remember correctly. And I do like the makeup of his game. He's a first baseman who defensively, I don't think he's very good, but he's plays first base. Uh and he's kind of made up of just he gets on base and he has some pop and I just like kind of like the makeup of a guy who gets on base doesn't strike out a ton honestly had a pretty solid season last year solid rookie year uh Fangraphs isn't super bullish on his 2024 outlook but I do like just his makeup for sure and then Zach Geloff came up last year their top prospect he looked really good he's projected to be their most valuable player this year at 2.3 f war and it makes sense. He looks really good at, at second base, and he just looks like a very well-rounded hitter. I don't think he has one tool that's super. I think his hit tool is his best-rated tool, but I don't think it's like outstanding. I think he has a decent amount of pop. I think he has good bat-to-ball skills, a good sense for the strike zone, can play second base really well. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching Zach Geloff, actually. Um, in the in the games that the Mariners play the A's, I will be watching Zach Geloff with more interest and likely not much Probably won't be watching a whole lot of A's baseball uh, this year outside of when they play the Mariners. And then Brent Rooker they have at starting at DH, and I think that's just uh, he played a lot of corners last year. I think he'll play a fair amount of left field and right field again this year. I don't think he was great in right field, and he proved to be just a really solid hitter at the plate, a guy who can hit the ball really hard when he hits it. Uh, I, I really like this, again, this type of player. I think there's things to be improved upon in his game but I really like him he's also a really good tweeter I think he's one of the better tweeters in major league baseball but he had such a good year last year struck out a ton uh, walked a fair amount a little above league average but he had 30 dingers and again he I'd like to see the strikeout rate come down a little bit but when he hit the ball he hit the ball really hard and I like that I just like him as a person. He's kind of a funny dude. And that's Brent Rooker. I I, I think he's a DH by virtue of just Seth Brown is, is coming into this year healthy in right field. And he, I guess, has been one of their better hitters of the past few years, which is unfortunate to say. I feel like he's, he, he's one of the longer tenured A's. I think he's been on the team for five years now. And uh, he struggled with with injuries last year, but he played a decent amount when he came back and he wasn't looking as good as he did in 2022. So maybe he has a slightly bounce back year, but even in 2022, he was kind of a, also not a great defensive guy, but 
strikeouts a decent amount, but when he hits the ball, he can hit the ball hard. Just similar to Brent Rooker, but from the left side of the plate. And then the only other guy I'm really going to talk about is Shea Langoliers here. J.J. Blade, sure, in left field. Why not? Abraham Toro, one of the sexiest men in the league at third base. Mariners legend. Uh, sure. Uh, Eshery Ruiz, I don't really believe much in his bat, but he uh, is insanely fast and steals at what seems like literally every opportunity he can get. He stole 67 bags last year, and Fangrass is projecting him to steal over 50 again this year. That's what he'll do. Uh, and then Nick Allen, shortstop, really not not a good hitter, but really good defensively at short. Uh, pretty pretty nice to watch over there, pick it at shortstop. And then, oh, Tyler Soderstrom. That's the only other guy I want to talk about of this offense. Uh, one of their top prospects who came up with uh, Geloff last year. He came up as a catcher. I don't think he projects to be a catcher long term. I don't think the defense is really good at all. Uh, but his his main tool is his bat. He had a really rough start to his major league career. Uh, very small sample. I think he only really played the last like month and a half. Really didn't look great at all at the plate. But I think the tools are there. I think he is a potential 30-plus home run guy with a decent hit tool, and I don't know about much else. So I feel like DH first base could be uh, where he finds himself. I think with Shea Langlers behind the plate proving to be a better defender than uh, a better defender than Soderstrom, I think Soderstrom's going to play a lot of DH this year with Brent Rooker in the corner instead of Brent Rooker at DH and, and Soderstrom on the bench, which is where the uh, Fangraphs has him. I think I'd try to play Soderstrom every day. And I just wouldn't even bother trying to play like J.J. Bladé in left field. I'll just play Brent Rooker out there um, and hopefully allow Soderstrom to develop into a good hitter and trade him to the Braves in two years. But the guy I do really like on this offense who hasn't quite broken out in the way I want is Shea Langoliers. I thought last year was going to be the year, and it just was not. He was merely average. And I'll, I'll talk about his fielding. His fielding is bizarre. Um... He is not a good blocker, and he really isn't a good framer yet. I'm not saying he couldn't be, uh, but really he had he did not have a good framing year last year. But he threw so many guys out. He he had he was a elite guy, elite caught stealing above average stat guy last year. So at least there's that. In the age of uh, the bigger bases and more stealing opportunities and pitch clock and all that. Uh, that's something that you can take away from his defense. And really, is the pitching staff good enough where I worry about his framing really impacting their win-loss? No, not really. Not really at all. And then batting-wise, he profiles as a kind of classic catcher uh, in terms of his hitting and what he can offer. Uh, low average, likely, high strikeouts, but he can hit the shit out of the ball. He can hit the absolute piss out of the ball. He... I don't, I'm trying to figure out why he had such a poor year last year. Because I've, I've looked at his numbies and he really, he didn't, uh, he barreled the ball way more, like almost by a f- over 3% in barrel percentage last year. He was hitting the ball harder. His hard hit rate was up about 6%. He struck out less. Still above league average, but less than the year before. He walked a percentage point more, and yet his stats, his raw stats look virtually identical. He just played more games, so he got more counting stats. Like, he hit 22 home runs, 
in 490 plate appearances. Like, that's that's fine. He was barreling the ball more, all that stuff I said. He was whiffing less. Also, he was chasing less. His chase rate was down. Uh, he was swinging at good pitches in the zone. What I think happened as I look at his baseball savant page, his chase contact percentage was up 50%. So he was chasing less, but when he chased the ball this year outside of the zone, he hit it more, which just makes me think that was because generally if you chase and make contact, unless you are Jordan Alvarez or Shohei Otani, uh, it's generally bad, uh, the batted ball. It's generally a very soft hit ball. And then you look at his swing take metrics and where his run value came from this year. Uh, minus three in the heart of the plate, which is weird. And minus 18 in the shadow, which is right on the edge. And that is where, like, yeah, if you swing, if you're on Alvarez swings at that, he can hit that for a home run a lot because he's ridiculous. Most people in the league who swing at a shadow pitch will hit a soft grounder, soft fly ball, and get out. Minus 18 runs on the shadow pitches for Shea Langleyers last year. So I think there's just a approach change for him that is needed. I think if he starts just straight up laying off uh, those pitches on the shadow and just swinging in the heart of the plate, I genuinely think he can be a really good hitting catcher. And I believe in him. It's I, 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 It was so weird to look at his stats because so much of it is stuff you want to see but the stats just didn't really go up. Like he uh, strikeout rate cut, walk rate raised, chase rate uh, cut, hit the ball harder, barreled more, and yet didn't look great on paper. And I think it's just swing decisions. So that is the offense. Not a whole lot of stuff going on there besides a couple young upside fellows. And then the pitching is JP Sears, Paul Blackburn, Alex Wood, Ross Stripling, and Luis Medina. I don't want to talk about them. They're not great. They will pitch innings. And then the bullpen, the only person I want to talk about in these bullpen, besides Trevor Gott, shout out to him, Mason Miller, one of their top prospects, absolute flamethrower, got hurt last year, was out for a lot of the year, but he projects to be back this year, and I recommend you tune in to watch Mason Miller. And that is it for the A's. I'm not going to waffle about their X factor is Generation Z. Shout out to Gen Z. I am Gen Z. And that's their X factor because most of this team is Gen Z. That's what they're going to be relying on this year. Uh, so go off. And then they're over under, according to DraftKings, is 56 and a half. And I'm going to take the over. I think that's a really low under, especially where their projections have them. So I'm officially taking the over, 56 and a half on these A's. I don't think they're really going to go farther than like 66 wins, but we'll see. We shall see. And we'll move on to the team projected to get fourth in this division, the Los Angeles Angels, which I want to reiterate every time I mention the Angels, Los Angeles Angels, that is a lie. I think most of their misfortune is because they're cursed because they're changing their name to Los Angeles, and that is false advertising. That should be illegal. You can't just lie to the people you're marketing to. Uh, and they're not in Los Angeles. They're not even close, really. They're so far away. Anaheim is, uh, without traffic, it's it's 45 to an hour to get to L.A. proper. Uh, and it's even from Anaheim to, with no traffic to get to L.A. County, it's like 25 minutes on the freeway. Like It's, it's just a big, fat lie. 
And boy, this team was active this offseason. Like, genuinely, I I think Perry Manassian might be a good GM. I just think he's on. I just think he is uh, in a in a shitty situation with a shitty owner, and he inherited an infrastructure that I think is bottom tier of this league. They went seventy three and eighty nine last year, uh, right on with their Pythag. And remember, they had Shohei Otani on their team last year. You remember, you know who that guy is. He had a really good year. He won MVP. Did it matter? It didn't at all. Uh, they really went for it at the deadline. I was on record when they went for it at the deadline and traded for for guys to try to help them push for the playoffs. I was on record saying that was the correct move. Everyone, not everyone, but the majority of people I see online clown them for that. And I get it. I understand why. It's easy to dunk on the Angels, but I genuinely think that was the correct move because they knew they weren't going to sign Shohei Otani again in the offseason. That was their last two months with him on the team. Why not? Why not try? What if you randomly snuck into the playoffs as an 84-win team and went to the World Series? You, oh, you're saying, oh, that's improbable. Look at the Diamondbacks, for Christ's sake. It can happen. So... Whatever. Looking forward to this year, Pakoda's projecting them to go 74 and 88, and Fangraphs is projecting them to hover around 77 and 85. So middling to bad, and I don't necessarily disagree, but I don't think this is a bad team, to be honest. I think this team, I don't think the ceiling is insanely high, but I also don't think, I don't, I don't think it's that bad of a team. I think losing Shohei Tani hurts a little bit, for sure. Um, but. Hopefully Mike Trout is healthy the whole season or most of the season. He's healthy coming into opening day. That's nice. He's my X factor for this team because a healthy Mike Trout the past few years, when he's played, he's been very Mike Trouty and been really good. He just hasn't played very much. Uh, Fangraphs hasn't projected for 4.3 F4, which is super modest for Mike Trout. I think Mike Trout could still put up a six-war season. I still think that can happen if he plays the whole year. And I genuinely think they could be a, a spicy little team that wouldn't necessarily make the wild card, but could really make life annoying for the uh, the Astros, Rangers, and Mariners who have higher hopes than the Angels. I think this could be a thorn in the side of those teams this year if, they're, if Mike Trout's healthy. Uh, and then their lineup... And I'll get into their signings after their lineup because most of their signings were relief pitchers. Uh, their lineup is as follows. Mickey Moniak in right field. Nolan Shanuel at first base. Mike Trout in the three-hole center field. Anthony Rendon, the man who is might play baseball this year at third base. Taylor Ward at left field. Brandon Drury at DH. Luis Renjifo, the Mariner killer at second base. Logan Ohapi at catcher. And Zach Neto in the nine-hole at shortstop. Uh, Mickey Moniak had a crazy good year last year. I saw him hit like a 420-foot bomb at Angel Stadium against the Mariners last year. Ridiculous. Uh, I don't think he's going to repeat. I don't believe in Mickey Moniak one bit. I think that was an anomaly. Moving on. Nolan Shanuel, one of the numerous uh, (laughs) prospects that was not a prospect for very long in the Angels organization. He got drafted last year and made his debut last year and honestly really held his own. Uh, you can kind of see why he's just seems like an on-base machine. 
I think him ahead of Mike Trout in the lineup and like ahead of like Mike Trout and Taylor Ward, I think is honestly a pretty decent lineup construction if you don't look at the rest of the lineup because he seems like at the very least, I think he's going to get on base a lot, which is helpful for a young player. Uh, and then Mike Trout in center field. Again, I just touched on Mike Trout. I don't need to talk about him. I imagine he'll see plenty of DH uh, this year as they try to prolong his career. The big thing about Mike Trout, that's one of my big questions for this team, is one, healthy Mike Trout season for a lot of the year, and two, if he is healthy and this team's out of it, do they trade him? Uh, uh, Mike Trout was the most vocal I've ever heard the man this offseason, uh, talking about the state of the Angels at least. he, When he's vocal, he's talking about the weather, uh, the Eagles hunting his wife, his kid, or baseball. This time, he was actually kind of criticizing the Angels, uh, which is I would shit my pants if I was in that organization and be like, you got the man who doesn't say anything controversial to say something almost controversial. Like, good Lord. Uh, I think you'll see, I think you'll see some DH time as they try to protect his legs. I think he'll still play a decent amount of center field, but I just wonder if he gets traded and then Anthony Rendon. I don't even know. I'm going to not talk about him. I don't know what to project Anthony Rendon for. I'm not going to make an ass of myself trying to predict what he's going to do this year. He might get hurt. He might not play baseball again. Who, who really knows? Uh, Taylor Ward in left field. Taylor Ward has just been a, a pretty solid hitter past few years for this team. He's been fine. I don't think uh, he should be one of the best players in your lineup, but I do think he's a fine bat. He's been a very serviceable corner outfielder for this team for the past couple of years. Fangraphs, again, is going to project him to be a slightly above average player. And I don't disagree with them. He had a really good 2022. Uh, stats took a little bit of a dip last year. Played less games, though. I think his his if he played the same amount of games in 2022, I think he would have been closer to those stats uh, because he was he looked just just as good. I would say um, in that in that sample, I think he had a little bit of uh, a little bit of bad ball luck as well. Uh, and I think the injury really limited his power when he came back. So I don't necessarily hate Taylor Ward hitting on the top of this lineup next to Mike Trout and like Shenuel and Rendon. It's not terrible. Brandon Drury, they have a DH. He can play second. He played a lot of second for them last year. He can play in the outfield. He's a guy I thought the Mariners should have signed uh, going into last season because he has just been a – he had a really solid year at the plate last year. Uh, he is just a – really interesting like journeyman at this point who's who's bopped around and then the last couple of years he's really found his footing at the plate and been like a pretty above average hitter uh, who can play a couple different positions uh, if the Mariners signed him to play second base last year I mean that would have went better than Colton Wong and who's to say what would have happened if they had Drury at two and a half wins at second base last year as opposed to what the Mariners got at second base last year just just saying uh, Logan O'Hoppy and Zach Neto. Zach Neto, I'll talk about first. Zach Neto, I don't, I don't know at the plate wise. He again was is like Nolan Shanuel. He was drafted, I think, in 2022 and uh, made his debut in 2022. No, he made his debut last year. 
but again, that's one year in the minors. They promoted him to be the full-time shortstop, and I can't say he handled it poorly. Uh, offensively, I think there's a long way to go. I think he profiles more as like a ceiling-wise average hitter and gets a lot of contact. Uh, but with solid defense, he looked pretty good at shortstop last year. So that's a that's a fine floor for a young player to have. And then there's Logan O'Hoppy. Uh, he, unlike the other prospects on this team, actually spent a decent amount of time in the minors before making his debut. And he looked really solid last year at the plate for the Angels. He started as the opening day catcher. Uh, looked really nice at the plate. And then towards Labrum in April, and he was out until September. Or August. I think it was August. It was his throwing shoulder labrum, which is tough as a catcher. You kind of want uh, to be able to throw to second base. That's helpful. Uh, he looked pretty solid last year at the plate, and I feel like I, there's a reasonable ex, uh, expectation that he will improve a little bit at the plate last year. Just looked like immediately solid. Uh, defensively, I don't think he... I it's hard to really take away his defensive stats last year because the sample was so small. I don't know if he really profiles as a really good defender, but I don't know if he can give them uh, good at bats. That would be very helpful. And that's the angels lineup. Their pitching is not terrible. Could be, could be better, uh, but it's highlighted by Reed Detmers and Griffin Canning and Patrick Sandoval as their one, two, three. I don't necessarily think that's bad. I think Reed Detmers has uh, something to prove this year. I think he was a little bit disappointing last year. I think his stuff still looks good. I think this is a prove-it year for him, and I, I think he's going to be a good pitcher this year. I think his ceiling is, is pretty high, but uh, I think he's just got a lot to prove. Uh, from from the mound this year, and then Griffin Canning and Patrick Sandoval are certainly pitchers who Fangraphs projects to be fine. Patrick Sandoval has been really solid the past couple of years. I don't know many people who follow the Patrick Sandoval statistics, but he's the past few years for this team. He's been really really solid for this rotation. A uh, little alarmed last year, uh, his strikeout rate really took a dip which is not exactly what you want to see. And he walked a lot more guys last year. Uh, again, not what you want to see from an aging pitcher. I say aging, he's like 28. Uh, but he uh, came up with this team when he was a pretty pretty young for a pitcher. I think 21, 22 when he came up. And he just is really solid command-wise. He has a pretty deep arsenal of not amazing pitches, but he can command it pretty well, which is, again, why I was a little concerned why the walk rate went up last year. Uh, so maybe he can bounce back. Maybe it just evens out, and he's a perfectly fine average starting pitcher. And then Tyler Anderson and Chase Silseth. Um, Chase Silseth, another Angels prospect that came up really quickly after getting drafted in 2021. Don't don't really think Chase Silseth is going to be anything super special. Uh, he has a, he has a couple interesting pitches, I would say, and I feel like he's he's okay in the five spot. At this point uh, in his in his young career, uh, I don't think the Angels are going to expect a whole lot from him. And then Tyler Anderson, who went from the Dodgers to the Angels and didn't have a good year at all, had a really terrible year. 
I think that might even out a little bit, but I think Tyler Anderson might end up being the least valuable pitcher of the five this season. And then their bullpen is actually really interesting. Carlos Estevez had a year last year that was pretty solid, pretty solid in the closer role for them. Uh, Matt Moore as well. Matt Moore, another, he was a guy I wanted the Mariners to sign, which they didn't end up kind of needing him. But uh, Matt Moore had a very solid year in relief this year. He is ever aging, and so I don't necessarily love the projections for him this year. Uh, He got traded a bunch last year, and then the Angels signed him. Uh, and I feel like he's going to be okay. And then they have a couple other guys. They signed Adam Simber. They signed Jose Cisnero. Oh, they also signed Zach Plesak, I should say. Um, so he might start a few games for them this year as well. Uh, but then uh, who else did they sign? Adam Kolarik. Luis Garcia. But the most important signing and the most expensive signing for them this offseason was Robert S- Stevenson. Bob Steve as we in the baseball community like to call him Bob Steve, uh, he was just like, whoa, that was a random, really good Angels signing. Now, stop me if you've heard this before. He started out the year with a, a team that is not known to, to hold on to their good pitchers, the Pirates. Had a really bumpy first month with them. Got traded to the Tampa Bay Rays. And had, was one of the best relievers in baseball after getting traded to, to the Rays. You've heard that before. Uh, he was he was otherworldly for the Rays last year. He was so good. And I think the Angels gave him, I think it was three years, $33 million? I'm not looking at his contract. It's not in front of me. I think that's just around where it was. Which is just he's gonna be he's gonna be really good. I think I I think that's like him and Estevez at the back of that bullpen is a pretty fine one two, uh, who could help steal some games for them this year. But God, I'll just his 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 first half. Actually, I should I should pull up his stats with the Pirates. So his stats with the Pirates in 2023 he pitched 14 innings with a 5.14 ERA which if you don't know is not good, to go along with a 5.33 FIP. So it's not even like the peripheral numbers were there. Uh, and then gets traded to the Rays. And I think the Rays did see something in him. I don't I don't think the Rays were looking at the spreadsheets and, and looking at his stats and being like, oh, there's a guy who's out pitching, um, who's not pitching up to, up to what he could be. Peripheral-wise, I think they saw a guy with a really good fastball and a potentially lethal changeup as a second pitch, and they pounced on the opportunity to grab him. And boy, did they grab him, and he was pivotal to that Rays team this year, or last year. He goes to the Rays, he throws 31 in the third innings with a 2.35 ERA to go along with a 2.45 FIP. That's a 179 ERA plus, if you're counting that one. 60 strikeouts. In 38 and a third innings. Yeah, that's crazy. And the Angels signed him. So if the Angels are just absolutely garbage this year, I think that's going to end up being a good signing either way because they're going to win some games on the back of him probably. But also if he's just as good, even if he's just slightly worse, if he's just a good relief pitcher, uh, they could probably end up moving him at the deadline next year. 
and getting a prospect in return for him. I don't. I never think it's really that bad to take a chance on a good reliever, even if you're not a great team, because uh, you can always relievers are always in demand. And for a team like the Angels with the 29th ranked farm system, uh, they could use some prospects for the future. So. That's that. That's the Angels. Uh, the only other question, the questions I had, can the young fellas take a meaningful step forward? You know, who knows? Uh, and the, how many games does Anthony Rendon play? Also, who knows? Uh, and then my last question, is it Joe Adele's year times three? Uh, we've all said it for, for years now. He is the best hitter in, and for the Salt Lake Bees I've ever seen. Uh, and then he comes to the to the majors, and he's not playing at, Salt Lake anymore. He's playing in Anaheim and he just can't quite put it together. So I don't know if it's his year, but I wanted to ask another question. So that's the Angels. What are they projected or not projected over under 72 and a half? Ooh. Ooh, that is, they're projected to go over, but I don't. Ooh, man. I'm going to go under because I think this team is just bad enough to trade at the deadline like I think I think they could be on track to go over but I feel like they offload at the deadline for some prospects and they and they go under and the depth the depth is real bad especially if those young guys don't quite take a step forward this year or they get hurt Ooh, ooh, it's gonna be real bad especially if Mike Trout goes down again this team it's over for them uh and moving on moving on to the good teams this is right around where the Mariners and the Rangers, they're right around projected close to each other, depending on what system you use, but the Mariners are not included in this. So the Texas Rangers, here we are. Texas Rangers, the World Series champion Texas Rangers, the World Series that I think legitimately no one gives a shit about. That's not a slight to the Texas Rangers. If you're a Rangers fan, you give a shit, and that's all that really matters. I just don't think anyone else in baseball really cares. And they went 90 and 72 last year with a Pythagorean of 96 and 66. Uh, If you recall, they barely snuck into the playoffs uh, by winning the division, tied with the Astros for record, but won the division, and then went on to win the World Series, uh, which was honestly a really fun World Series to watch, despite people shitting on the teams that were in it. And they're projected very modestly this year, 86 and 76 per Pakoda with 50% playoff odds. And then Fangrass has them at 82 and 80 with 37% playoff odds. And I, I, I know why the team is quite similar to last year in terms of uh, the pitching does not look like it's going to be great again in the regular season, the pitching or the bullpen, I don't think is going to be, be very good. Uh, And they weren't last year. Their pitching was really bad. They traded for Jordan Montgomery and Max Scherzer. And Jordan Montgomery is awesome. Max Scherzer pitched some some innings. Uh, and it didn't matter. They got to the playoffs and they rode Eovaldi and John Gray and Jordan Montgomery. And they it felt like Jose LeClerc pitched two innings every game in the postseason. Uh, they... Uh, Acquired that that closer, Aroldis Chapman, to help him out. Uh, and Will Smith pitched a fair amount. And they went to the World Series and they won. It's an electric offense, and it just proves, again, if you make it to the playoffs in baseball, it, literally anything could happen, especially when you have such an electric offense. So the projections being that low, 
I think people will be like, oh, what? They won 90 games. They Their Pythag was 96 wins. They won the World Series. Their pitching looks worse than it did last year. And I, I will talk about it in a second. I'll talk about the lineup first. And genuinely don't have a whole lot to say. There's some interesting stuff, but it's like this lineup looks awesome. Potentially better than last year. And last year, the offense was sick. And it could be better than last year. Uh, Marcus Semien at second base leading off with Corey Seager behind him at shortstop and Dallas Garcia in right field. Evan Carter, the rookie sensation last year, came up ha- came up and played how many games did, did that little scamp play last year? Yep, came up in September, played 23 games, uh, had a 180 WRC+. Plus. He was absurd. He was he put up 1.3 WAR in 23 games as a rookie, uh, which is which is absurd. And then had a really good playoffs and won the World Series. And he wasn't even 21 years old yet, so he couldn't drink uh, the champagne. Just you couldn't really script a better start to your career than that, unless he won like World Series MVP, like kind of Jeremy Pena e. But Jeremy Pena played a lot that year. Evan Carter came up. Like in the midst of a fierce division and wildcard race in the American League, put up a 180 WRC plus, goes on a crazy run, wins the World Series. Just insane. I don't think, I'll I'll say it, I don't think he's going to put up a 180 WRC plus this year. Uh, that would be Jordan Alvarez type of production from him. But he just looks like he's. I'm gonna hate him as a Mariners fan. I'm just gonna hate him. Uh, Josh Young at third base, really solid year last year as a rookie. Nathaniel Lowe at first base, big, just a thumper, just a classic first baseman. Can really hit a hit a dinger. Jonah Heim at catcher. Wyatt Langford at DH and Leody Tavares at center field. I will save Wyatt Langford for last. Marcus Semien. I don't want to talk about him. It makes me sad to talk about him. He's really good. He plays a lot of games at second base. He's a really good baseball player. Corey Seager, same thing. Uh, could win MVP this year, won World Series MVP. Just one of the one of the best shortstops in the game right now, if not the best. Such a good player. Uh, Adolis Garcia in right field. I really liked Adolis going into last year, and he proved why. Uh, why he he said, "Hey, you." over there with your little podcast. I'm going to prove you right. And he did. I really, really like Adolis Garcia a lot. As a person, as a baseball player, he's jacked. He hits insane dingers. He pimps the shit out of them. He has a crazy arm in right field. I just love Adolis Garcia. And he had a really good year last year. He uh, he kind of... What, what did he do last year? I mean, the expectations, I think were for him to kind of remain where he was because he had put up really good seasons in 21 and 22, uh, stole a decent amount of bags. The thing about him, he was striking out a little too high and not walking very much, uh, but he was still really impacting the baseball. And what he did this year is the same thing. He impacted the baseball more. He made better swing decisions, but he raises, he raised his walk rate by about 4%, uh, put up 124 WRC+. plus. 4.8 war, nine steals, just play the whole year. Really good year from him. Uh, and solid defense in right field. And then, yeah, Evan Carter is, like I said, I'm going to hate him. He profiles as a very hit toolsy kind of outfielder. He's really fast uh, with some decent pull side pop. 
I would say 15 and 20 home runs is a solid projection for him. Uh, I don't, he doesn't have a tremendous amount of power, and he, he's really tall, like long levers, but he's not very big. So I feel like he could add power to his frame, but that could eliminate his one of his maybe his best tool. It's his speed. He's super fast uh, and just looks like a guy who's going to hit for like a decent average, put a good swing on the ball, but get on base at a really high clip. And that mixed with his speed is going to make him a really, really pesky man on the base path, a really solid outfielder, just a really good player, I think, for this Rangers team. And then Josh Young, uh, yeah, really good rookie year last year at third base for this guy. Uh, He was a highly touted prospect for them coming up, and he kind of did everything you could ask for for him last year. He just looked really nice at the plate. He hits the ball really hard, and that's, yeah, that's it. He played good defense, and he hits the ball really hard. That's Josh Young. I think he could stand to walk more. Uh, he's a very free swinger, but I appreciate that about him. I think it's fun. Nathaniel Lowe, I mean, he just he hits a lot of home runs. Jonah Heim. Jonah Heim, uh, who I think is likely going to be somewhat of a league average hitter, but Jonah Heim is a really, really good catcher. He is an elite pitch framer, uh, really solid presence behind the plate. I think that despite the really poor pitching on the team, uh, last year, I think he does enough to to elevate the pitching staff from a catching perspective because he just looks like one of the best defensive catchers in the game. I don't think he's especially a very good blocker, but I don't care much about that. He was an elite framer, and he uh, threw a lot of guys out last year. So a really stable presence for them behind the plate. And then... Leody Tavares, center field again, just kind of looks like a, he had he had a really good, somewhat breakout year, I guess. I mean, you could call it a breakout. He he has been around for a few years, but he, he raised his offensive numbers a little bit last year. He struck out less. I think he like Jonah Heim profiles as a field first guy with a, a f- some speed. Decent amount of power, but can play a really good center field. I think he's a league average bat with a good center field. So both those guys at the back of the lineup, if they're just league average, they're not being asked too much to do anything at the plate. Just if they're league average, that's huge. And uh, I think they're going to be. And then the really interesting projection from Fangraphs, which there's a consensus around the league that this could totally happen. Wyatt Langford in the eight hole and the DH spot for the Texas Rangers to start the year. They have him breaking camp and starting the year in the DH spot. He was picked last year, picked fourth overall, looked like one of, if not the best hitter in the draft. I think Dylan Cruz probably was the best pure hitter, but I think Wyatt Langford offers you elite power and to go along with a pretty good hit tool. Looks like a really good fast fastball hitter just like he's huge like just he's beefy profiles as a guy who's going to hit a lot of home runs from the right side of the plate uh defensively he's like a corner outfielder i don't know what he's going to be defensively like they obviously have him as a dh which i think is fair i don't think they have a, a dh really i think it's perfect for him because they didn't really have an out and out dh uh well they did last year mitch garver but he's not on the team anymore probably because they really believe in Wyatt Langford. 
And I don't disagree. Every prospect analyst I've heard talk about this guy is so high on him. Uh, he rose, th- what, three levels of the minors last year and put up really good numbers in each level. Uh, really walked a lot in the minors, which is, if he walks a lot, it's going to give me headaches. Uh, but if he can do that, oh, man. And if it's, I think it's uh, it's a, just a different era in baseball now. It's like a lot of other sports. These guys are better at a younger age, and they're not going to have to see as much time in the minor leagues. And there's more incentive now with the rule where if you have the guy win rookie of the year, your guy win rookie of the year, you get a draft pick like the Mariners did with Julio, like the Diamondbacks will get with uh, Corbin Carroll, who also started the year with the D-backs. There's more incentive to do this now. And I think Wyatt Langford is going to be one of the favorites for rookie of the year. I think Evan Carter is probably going to be the favorite. I think he might even be the betting favorite, to be honest. Uh, but Wyatt Langford will be up there, just a guy who might sock a lot of dingers. Uh, and that is the offense. And moving on to the pitching. My X factor for this team this year is pitcher health. Uh, reason, I'll read you the projected opening day rotation. Nathan Eovaldi, John Gray, Andrew Heaney, the Heen Dog, Dane Dunning, and Cody Bradford. I'll start off by saying Cody Bradford I don't think is very good. And I'm gonna I'm not gonna talk about Cody Bradford anymore. Nathan Eovaldi, really interesting pitcher. I've really liked him the past couple of years, been proven to be one of the best playoff pitchers ever, which is crazy. And had a solid year for the Rangers last year. He was just a good pitcher, had a really good year, two and a half war, three point six three ERA and hundred forty four innings pitched. Uh, I have reason to believe uh, he is going to regress this year, and Fangraphs thinks so too. They're projecting what looks like a fairly average 34-year-old pitcher regression year over year. Uh, They have him pitching more innings but not being quite as productive like ERA-wise, more in the fours, more league average trending. Uh, His velocity has been trending downward. The past couple of years, as he ages, he walked more guys last year. Uh, I I don't disagree with the Fangraphs projections of him regressing, and with him as your ace, I don't think that's a good situation to start the year. Same with John Gray as your number two, and then Andrew Heaney as your number three. I think Andrew Heaney at this point is a f- third starter on not a very good team at best, uh, and he's currently going to be their number three on opening day. And then John Gray, who, credit to John Gray, uh, was a good pitcher at Coors Field for his time there. Uh, He was there for all of his rookie contract and really put up some good numbers in Coors Field, which is very hard to do. And then Texas signed him, and he's been league average. He's been fine. I think John Gray is a perfectly fine uh, 3-4. Right now he's number two. And then Dane Dunning. Credit to Dane Dunning who had a really good season last year, filling in for a lot of their injured pitchers. Uh, he was just a really solid. I didn't believe in him starting the year, and he really he pitched a lot of innings, some out of the bullpen later in the year, uh, but just looked like a like if he's your five, I think he's actually a really good five starter. I think he can put up very decent league average numbers from the five spot. Pitcher health is the reason this is the X factor because – They have this guy called Jacob deGrom. His name is Jacob deGrom. He uh, had Tommy John surgery in the middle of last season. 
he was really good when he pitched those like eight starts, and then he got TJ. That is the story of the past how many years for Jacob DeGrom. It's been a while since we've seen him pitch a full season. The best pitcher on the planet when he has pitched. And it truly is a shame to baseball that he hasn't pitched more in recent years. And he uh, he had TJ in uh, June. And I don't know exactly when he's going to be back. I don't know at all this year, to be honest. TJ in June, I don't know what his timeline is. I haven't heard much. Fangrass is projecting to throw 27 innings, so that's not great. Uh, and then they also signed Tyler Malley this season, who had Tommy John in May last year. So I don't think he's going to be throwing too many innings. I feel like it's a modest projection with 58 through Fangraphs. So they think he might be back pitching for the Rangers in August-ish, potentially. Like a year turnaround, maybe maybe July if they're lucky. And then Max Scherzer is also in this. So that's that's three guys who I would in order. Like that that these three guys would probably push Eovaldi to the three, John Gray to the four, and like Heaney Dunning to the five five six with Malley above both of those guys too. Uh it's it's bad that they're starting the year on the IL and there's not I just saw today. Max Scherzer might be back in June, which would be huge for them. But then at this point, it's also like I'm not doubting Max Scherzer's abilities, but he's almost 40 years old. And he was still pretty good last year, but he was not as good as the years prior. There's clear regression going on. He walked more guys last year. His velocity was slightly down. It's been going down for three years now. Like I don't think you're gonna get Scherzer back in June, and it's gonna be the the MV, the Cy Young Scherzer. But you get Scherzer back in June, and he's better than Bradford, Dunning, and Heaney, and John Gray, and even Nate Evaldi. He's probably better than all five right now, at least by a little bit. Uh, so the X factor is pitcher health. This team just needs to tread water until then. And I mean, they at least they have a crazy good offense. And then they signed to the bullpen this season. Uh, David Robertson and Kirby Yates, who David Robertson had a really good year last year, has been in the league for a while as a solid relief option, but he's also 39, and I think he could absolutely fall off a cliff this year, and I would like to see that. Uh, so their bullpen crumbles. Their bullpen was so bad last year. So, like, does it really matter? Their bullpen was awful last year, and they made the playoffs and won the World Series. So does this even matter? I don't know. They, and Kirby Yates is similar. He's 37, so I don't I'm, I don't have much much confidence in him either. And then they have Jose Leclerc, Josh Spores, Brock Burke, Jonathan Hernandez, Yeri Rodriguez. These are just names at this point. Uh, so I don't think their bullpen is going to be good. I don't think their rotation is going to be particularly good either. Even when they get Scherzer back, I don't know. Uh, the big question I have, when do they come back? And then do they... Are they buyers again at the deadline? Are they are they going to go out and get pitching again or a bullpen arm? I'm sure they'll get a bullpen arm at the deadline. That almost seems like a foregone conclusion. Uh, but starting, I don't know. My other last big question for this team is should they just re-sign Jordan Montgomery right now? I think they should. I think that would really help this season for them to win baseball games. So we'll see if they do that. I don't think there's any indication that they're going to, but who knows? Who knows?
So, what is their over-under? Sorry, I just muted my microphone. If you could tell, I had to cough. Uh, their over-under is 89.5. Ooh, I'm taking the under. Immediately taking the under. 89.5. I'm praying on the downfall of this team. And uh, and that's it for the Rangers. Now we'll... I'm going to take a short break and be back to talk about the projected division winner, the Houston Astros. All right, I am back to talk about the projected winner of the American League West, the Houston Astros. Houston Astros, unfortunately, did not win the division. Well, not unfortunately. They didn't win the division last year. And uh, it was it was tough. Final day, it happened. And uh, thanks to the... The Mariners, they did just enough to have the Rangers win that division. But the Astros, they made made the playoffs regardless, the wild card, and they went to the American League Championship where they lost to, yes, the Rangers, the All-Texas ALCS, and they took the L there. And, you know, obviously, with a team like this, that is a failure. I think this is a team that just obviously looks to to win the World Series every year. They're built for that. And this season, the, the projections love them this season. They, Pakoda has them going 95 and 67. Fangrass has them doing the exact same thing they did last year, uh, 90 and 72. And last season, their Pythag was 93 and 69 too. So really negligible. But this, I mean, I see it also as a probably 90 win team again. Uh, not a very active offseason, really not. What they did do, they traded for Trey Cabbage from the Angels, which I don't know how much he's really going to impact them uh, on the field, but his name is Trey Cabbage, so that's a plus regardless. And uh, they did sign Victor Caratini <laughs> to backup catcher, probably, uh, which is probably good for Yanier Diaz at this point. Needs a guy like Caratini or Maldonado to be like, hey, catch the ball better than that. And then they did make one big signing, uh, Josh Hader. They signed Josh Hader, which which just, that sucks. Uh, Josh Hader's real good at closing down baseball games. So talk about this bullpen more at a later date. But let's run through the lineup. This lineup is largely unchanged from last year and looks uh, just as lethal. Again, this year, Jose Altuve at second base. And leading off, doesn't really look like he's he's aging and slowing down much at all. Uh, besides getting getting hurt, I guess a little bit more often now. But even then, it's like he still looks so good. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, the best hitter, pure hitter on the planet at DH. Alex Bregman at third base. Kyle Tucker in right field. Jose Abreu at first base. Yanier Diaz at catcher. Chaz McCormick in left field. Jeremy Pena at shortstop, and uh, Jake Myers in center field. Jake Myers could be their only below-average hitter this year, potentially, which is kind of stupid. Uh, But, man, this lineup is good. I mean, what is there even to say about Jose Altuve at this point in his career? Uh, We just He just keeps chucking along. Jordan, again, one of the scariest people I've ever seen at the plate. Just a ginormous man who swings so aggressively and hits balls so hard. I can't say I don't enjoy it. Uh, honestly, I can't like I really like watching this Astros, uh, this Astros team. I I really dislike them as an organization. I really I really do, but the offense they've had and the pitching, frankly, they've had for the past couple of years has been so fun to watch. Just from a 
a baseball perspective, Jordan murdering baseballs is one of the more fun things I like to watch. And he's just, I think he's, he's when it's all said and done in his, in his career, I think he's going to give Edgar and, and Big Poppy a run for their money as going down as one of the greatest, if not the greatest designated hitters in the history of baseball, to be honest. He's absurd. Um, Alex Bregman keeps doing his thing at third base. Just a, a man who just is made to hit home runs to the Crawford boxes. Complimented by his great, his solid defense at third base and really good on base ability. And uh, Kyle Tucker in right field. Kyle Tucker, just a really good all around player. He doesn't look like it, but he is really fun, wallopy type. Uh, Fred Flintstone swinging a club ass swing, like I talked about with Matt Olson and the uh, NL East preview earlier this week. Just a really good player. Uh, really frustrating to play against because he just kind of does everything. He does everything right. He does everything you want him to do. Uh, and that is their core. That is the one through four. I don't have much to say about them. They're just so good. Like running down, Jose Altuve is projected 3.9. War, Alvarez, 5.6. Bregman, 4.9. Tucker, 4.9. To have that be projected as your top four in the lineup is crazy. Uh, and then after that, they have Jose Abreu, who was their one of their big. I mean, their big signing last year, and really, really wasn't good. Uh, really, not at all. It, was that an indication of aging? I mean, he's he was thirty six last year. He's thirty seven this year. I would find it hard to believe if he'd be truly that bad again this year. But I don't feel good enough about saying he's going to be great. I think he might be merely okay. Uh, Yanir Diaz, who does, I don't, it's tough the D, the DH role is, is filled a lot of the time because Jordan will play the corners, but will DH a lot of the time too. And Yanir Diaz looks like a really good hitter. He looks like a very solid hitter with a very solid uh, Yuli Gurriel type approach where he just swings. Swings and swings and swings. Doesn't strike out. He strikes out some, but below league average. Doesn't walk. Doesn't care to walk at all. Uh, but it's a really good bat to ball skills and really good contact ability. Like he's he's just an aggressive, aggressive hitter uh, who looks like a, just a really solid hitter that uh, is not great behind the plate. But he will be the catcher because they can't. I don't know. I think the optimal lineup for them. I don't even know. I mean, I'd, I'd rather have Yanir Diaz at DH and Victor Caratini at catcher, but uh, whatever. I mean, if Yanir Diaz is not going behind the plate, if he's going to be a good hitter, I think they'll take that. Definitely different approach than they've taken in recent years with Martin, Martin Maldonado departing, uh, and he's the opposite of Yanir Diaz all in, in many ways. And that's just a different, a different approach for them at catcher. Really interesting. And then after him... Uh, Chaz McCormick, his his name, by the way, is literally Chaz. He had a, a breakout year last year. He was really randomly really good. I, he It's not like he wasn't good in years prior. He had shown that at the very least, I think he was going to be an average to slightly above average outfielder for this team uh, who could play a really solid defense in the outfield. Uh, a lot of strikeouts, but a decent amount of power and, again, He's a right-handed hitter who can thrive hitting into the Crawford boxes, and he just exploded last year. Had such a good year. Didn't especially cut his strikeout rate 
or did much with his walk rate. He just impacted the baseball more. He hit more home runs. He hit for a lot more power. Uh, I think he got a decent amount of, well, not a decent amount. I think he got a little bit of bad of ball luck. I don't see him putting up another close to four war, 133 WRC plus season. Uh, Fangraphs doesn't either, but I, I think it's safe to say he's a really solid option in the back of this lineup uh, in left field for them. And then Jeremy Payne and Jake Myers. Jake Myers, um, not super great at the plate. Doesn't need to be. We'll be hit ninth. Uh, play really good center field. That's all they need from him. And then Jeremy Pena. I considered having Jeremy Pena as the X factor because if he if he's what if he puts up like six? What if he's just one of the best shortstops in the league? What if he skews closer to what we saw in his rookie year than last year? He did not take the step that I'm sure the Astros really wanted him to take last year after uh, his really good rookie year and then he winning World Series MVP. Uh, he did he did stuff correctly, which makes me think that he's on the right track because he, he raised his walk rate and he lowered his strikeout rate. He just really didn't hit for that much power. Uh, he was still uh, solid defensively at shortstop. I think that'll be... A decent floor for him. I mean, like Fangraphs projects him for 2.6 war because I don't think they're super high on his offense. I just, it's weird. I, he, it projects he's going to be probably in a, an above average shortstop and get a lot of help from the Crawford box as another right handed hitter. Uh, he has a, some power, a decent amount of power. I, I'm just, I don't know. I haven't done a deep dive into his stats. He just really did not hit the ball as hard last year. And uh, I don't know. I think in that ballpark, being good defensively, I think that's a decent enough floor for him. And there's not really any pressure on him to be like the guy on this team, which is good. Like his rookie year, he had a fill-in for the loss of Carlos Correa, and I think he did a good job. And then last year, he just didn't quite progress to the plate like people thought he would. So maybe he bounces back from a sophomore slump, uh, could be a bounce-back candidate. And that's why I almost chose him as the X-Factor, because what if he's he puts up, uh, I don't know, what if, he, what if he hits 25 home runs, he walks more, he has a 7-800 OPS, one one twenty WRC plus and has a five war season like that could really do something for this team, uh, but I didn't choose him as the X factor and you'll see why. But that's the offense should be really good again. And then uh, going to the pitching, going to the pitching, which I think is shakier now than it has been in recent years. I think going into the year, I don't think this pitching the starters I should say is a little rocky. Um, Highlighted by Framber Valdez uh, at the ace spot, who I will talk about uh, more in a second. And then Christian Javier, just Justin Verlander's maybe for opening day. Uh, I don't think they even know at this point if he's going to be uh, in the rotation at opening day. Even if he is, I think probably Framber's still the, the starter. Um, but he is like shoulder soreness for such an old man as he is. That's not an ideal situation. So I think they'd slow play him, if anything. I don't think there's any need to rush him. I think they, they'll they be fine without him until they can get him back. But uh, after that, it's Hunter Brown, who is a really big year for Hunter Brown. He came up as one of their, I think, probably their top pitching prospect at the time uh, last year. 
or two years ago, and then pitched a lot last year for them, and was was fine. Uh, his peripherals looked a lot better than his actual numbers. I think the thing you got to look at is the strikeout rate. Uh, he's really and just the stuff. I wouldn't look too much into his raw stats last year. I think he's going to be better than that this year. Really good fastball, really good curveball. I think his changeup and slider are coming along. Sliders is actually his slider might be his second best pitch. Uh, but he really just, his command was not great with the fastball last year and velocity does not like he throws it 96, 97. I think he can touch 98. Um, and that's not going to do it. If you can't locate it in the major leagues, Eve, despite a really good, really good breaking stuff, uh, he's going to need to locate that fastball a little bit better. So this is a big year for him. He's very Justin Verlandery. If you watch him, he's very, the stuff and, and the way he delivers the ball, is is Justin Verlander esque? Not saying he's going to be as good, but it's just it's similar. And then to round out the rotation, Jose Urquidy and Ronel Blanco, which I will admit, don't really know anything about Ronel Blanco. I didn't prior to this. He's been in the Houston system for a while, uh, and made his debut in 2022. And he pitched last year. I recognized his name, but I was like, I don't really know if this guy is good. And I don't think he's that good. So, And I don't think he's going to be stuck in their five spot very long because they have a long list of pitcher injuries as well. J.P. France is currently on their injured list of shoulder inflammation. Luis Garcia, they're, I, don't, I, don't think he's, I don't know if he's going to pitch at all this year. He had TJ last May. And then Lance McCullers, as he has been in recent years, he's hurt. Uh, he had elbow surgery in June last year, and I don't know how much they're going to get from him this year either, if anything. So you're looking at J.P. France, who was a rookie last year, and then Verlander coming back, uh, which pushes Renault Blanco to uh, six starter swingman in, in the bullpen, quad A type type pitcher. Uh, J.P. France had a pretty solid year last year. I think he has very average stuff and decent command, and I think his ceiling is probably a four or five starter. Uh, but I, th- I, I don't know. I think getting him back is good for depth purposes. I think this rotation is, even when they get Verlander back, I think there's potential for it to be not amazing. Uh, Christian Javier, who had been so good for them in their world series year in 22 really had a bad year last year and he did not look good. It's not like he got unlucky. He struck out way less guys. He got hit around. He gave up a lot of home runs really didn't look good. So I'm not, I'm not super confident in him going into this year. Uh, and then for Amber, Framber's my X factor for the reason that with the Verlander question marks right now and him aging too. Uh, and the other question marks with just this rotation and how good they're going to be, uh, they need Framber to be an ace like he has been in the past, and he was he was good last year. It's one of those things where if you look at the raw numbers, he put up 3.45 ERA, 4.3 F war over the whole year, but... A lot of that really good value came at the start of the year. Uh, I will read you his splits. And it's it's kind of shocking to see what happened to him in the second half of last year uh, because he had been 
I don't know. He's been such a stable starter, and I really like the makeup of him because he's not the highest strikeout pitcher, but he gets so many ground balls and weak contact, like a just a tremendous amount of weak contact. He's Mr. Weak Contact. He's so good. Uh, his command is usually really good with his pitches. Uh, he has a very good curveball and commands the fastball really well, and he gets a lot of ground balls on that on that sinking fastball of his. And then his other complementary pitches are a cutter and a changeup. Uh, also, just kind of out pitches if he's behind in the count along with his fastball. Like all of him, all of him is built up to strike out a decent amount of guys and get an insane amount of ground balls, which he does. Which and weak contact, which is really good when you have a solid defense behind him like he does. But last year, the first half, second half splits. First half, 111 innings, 2.51 ERA. 116 strikeouts, 26 walks, 1.05 FIP, striking out 9.4 guys per nine, just looked like Framber, really limiting the home runs. Seven home runs in 111 innings, like just looked like Framber. Second half, 87 innings, 4.66 ERA, gave up 12 home runs, 1.21 WHIP, 84 strikeouts in 87 innings. It was just not very good in the second half at all. Uh, the strikeout-to-walk ratio took a fairly large dip. He walked more guys in less innings in than, than the first half. He walked 31 guys in 87 innings in the second half, 26 in 111 in the first half. Just really did not look good. Looked very unframber-like. And I'm... Um, I'm inclined to believe that's not a trend, but is it? But is it a trend? Is it the end of Framber? Uh, no, I don't think so. I I do think this is why he's the X Factor, because he needs to be that ace of this rotation if they want to really, really be a, a great team. I think they're still going to be very good regardless, uh, but they need Framber to not have a second half like that again. I think that's was a decent part of why they didn't outright win this division again and why it went down to the wire and they ended up losing the division. I think he's going to need, I think that is the X factor. He has the most variance of any, anyone on this team. Luckily, luckily you get to the bullpen and it's, and it's, Oh God, you get to the bullpen and it's just ridiculous, dude. As I said, they signed Josh Hader. He will be their full-time closer. He, He's really good. He's really good. And that is to go along with an already really good bullpen. From the bottom up, Brandon Bielak, Bielak, Parker Mushinsky, Seth Martinez, Bennett Sousa, and then Rafael Montero. And those are kind of their long to mid relief guys. And those are all fairly stable and solid bullpen options. Those are fine. Fine. They're They're good. The back of the bullpen, this is the best back of the bullpen in baseball. It's filthy. It's Brian Abreu, Ryan Presley, and Josh Hader. And Brian Abreu might be the best of all three of these guys, to be honest. But that is a back of the bullpen battery that is frightening for anyone losing to this team after the seventh inning. Uh, Brian, I love watching Brian Abreu pitch. It's amazing. Ryan Presley has just been has just been so consistent for this team. Uh, he's been their their closer for 
what, three, four years now, and has just been really stable, super consistent, constantly been just a top reliever. Had had a, had a shakier year last year, I will say, but he's out of the closer spot, so maybe that'll help. And then Josh Hader. I mean, who, what's there to really say about Josh Hader? Really huge contract for a relief pitcher, and it, I mean, it makes sense. He's probably been the best closer in baseball for five, probably five straight years now. He's been so good. A uh, huge reason down the stretch last year why the Padres almost made the playoffs. They started winning close games. A lot of it due to him and his late game heroics. And boy, he's just been so good. And I, I hate that he's in the division with the Mariners now. And there's not even much else to say about him. He's just Josh Hader. He's just so, so good. Uh, and... That is this bullpen, and that is that's the Astros. They're projected to win the bull uh, the bullpen. Oh, they're projected to win this division again. I'm inclined to believe that. I'm I think they're going to win the division. Their over under is 92 and a half. Ooh, that's really tough. You know, you know what? I'm going to go under because I don't believe in this pitching staff. But that under is like I think they're going to win 91 games. And I think that's what it's going to take to win this division again. I don't, I don't think you're going to have to win in the upper 90s to best the Mariners and the Rangers. I think both those teams, unfortunately, will probably be in the high 80s, low 90s again this year, which sucks. Uh, I think the Astros are going to win the division. I think this is the exact same order I had the division last year. And the Astros will win it, but go under 92 and a half. Uh, I think. I'll say it right now, even though I didn't talk about them, I think the Mariners are going to get second, and their over-under is something, and I won't discuss it yet. The Rangers I have in third place, under 89.5. The Angels in fourth, under 72.5. And And then the only over so far in this division, the Oakland Athletics in fifth place, over 56.5. That is the AL West. That is halfway through the divisional previews. I can't promise what the next division will be. Maybe the NL Central now that the Cubs got Bellinger. Maybe. It might have to be the NL Central because uh, I don't know if the Cubbies are still going to do anything and they got Bellinger, and that's kind of what I was waiting for. Uh, why I didn't do them first because I just thought that was going to happen, and it did. So that worked out well for me. But appreciate you listening this far if you are, as always. Recommend to your friends if you want. Write a review if you want. Rate if you want. All of those are worked into the contract uh, that you you take when you listen to the show, and they're mandatory. But I will say you do have free will. So uh, do whatever you want. But appreciate you listening. I There's three more divisions to do, and then the Mariners preview. We're getting there. We're getting close. Thank you again. Hope you have a good rest of the week. We'll be back. I will be back next Friday with likely the NL Central, uh, probably. But I will see you later. Have a good rest of your baseballing spring training week. Goodbye.